Hi, I'm Terry Wickham, producer of the Edmonton Folk Music Festival and Relentless. The one part of my life where I've definitely been relentless is uh, looking for improvements to the folk festival year over year since 1989. I had to be somewhat relentless or relentless at times to get into the business back in the 1980s in Alberta. It wasn't easy and I had my setbacks and people not showing up when they said they would etc etc but you work through it and um, it is one of being relentless is one of the two predictors of long-term success hello everybody and welcome to the relentless podcast i am your host kyle dubay and i'm very excited today to have a man with us who's going to talk to us about this really cool journey of one of the most iconic festivals, not only in, in our city of Edmonton, but I would say in Canada and, and potentially internationally. Mr. Terry Wickham is joining us, who is the artistic director, producer, general manager of the Edmonton Folk Festival. Terry, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Kyle. It's good to have you Great. here. The way that you described it to me before we started recording was you're the guy that gets to plan the party and pick all the records. I like that. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm surrounded by great people at work who do a lot of research on new bands and all of that, but I, I eventually go in and try and close the deal. Yeah, which is awesome. Now, listen, let's talk a little bit about you bef- before you got involved, because if I'm not mistaken, 1989 is when you started with the Edmonton Festival? Correct. Edmonton Folk Festival? What, what were you doing before that? And and for those of you that have just listened a little bit to you talking, they're going to hear your voice a lot more. You have a lovely Irish accent. So you obviously uh, were born there, came over here. Talk to us a little bit about your journey. Well, I was born in 55. Okay. Yeah. And born in uh, North Dublin. Went to school. Did well at school. Played yeah. well, you know, played well at sports. So the kind of things that were rewarded for young males at that time. Had lots yeah. of friends, had good health, loving family. Lots of advantages, so I ended up going to Trinity College in Dublin. Uh, Not easy for North Dubliner to get in there, but I managed to get a scholarship to go, so that was great. So you were smart? Uh, I was. Not so sure now. (laughs) As an 18-year-old, 17-year-old. Now you're wise. Yeah. Um, So uh, Ireland at the time didn't have a lot of jobs. I, I came to Canada for three summers, worked in London, Ontario for two, uh, Leon's Furniture. Oh, okay. Out by the 401 in, in Ontario, outside London. Like, what were you doing? Were you selling furniture or working yeah. in the warehouse? Working in the warehouse. Trucks? Yeah, it yeah. was minimum wage job. Yeah, but it was yeah. fun to come over and, and just see Canada and Did enjoy Did you know it. people? Is that like, why'd you come here? Or, uh, yeah, typical immigrant story. My, my brother was here. My sister was here. Um, so, you know, having family connections always helps to settle in. But that, they were just temporary jobs for the summer. Then I'd go back in the winter yeah. and, and spring and stuff and be in, in school. And then when I graduated, about two weeks later, I planned to come to Canada. And I came to Canada in 1976. Okay. Uh, got a job at the Bank of Montreal, BMO, Bank of Montreal at the time. Um, worked there for a couple of years. They offered me a promotion and I just... I couldn't really take it because banking, I just realized, wasn't for me. Yeah. So I went working odd jobs, construction, driving a taxi, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the taxi was interesting for a while. Then mm-hmm. it got kind of boring because uh, I could listen. I, I really wanted to get into music. Uh, did a concert in about 1981, gave a hand, uh, uh, do the concert, and really enjoyed it. And I thought, oh, this is some people do this for a living. Yeah. 
But it was a bit like that Monty Python sketch. What do you want to be? I want to be a lion tamer. You know, have a <laughs> right. have a whip and a, <laughs> and a hat and a because there's you know all the venues like the Arden and Festival Place, uh, the Windspear, the Jack Singer Concert Hall. They didn't exist at the time no. in Calgary or or in Edmonton. So there's much more infrastructure now, and there's more jobs. You know, festivals. A lot of them started in in around uh, 1980, I think that was the 75th anniversary of the province. So the right. province came forward with some money to try and spark some things. That's where the jazz festival came from and the folk festival came from. Um, so that was kind of my journey. I, then I got a job at the Performing Arts Centre in Calgary. Now it's called Arts Common. And my job was to program the 2000-seat Jack Singer Concert Hall. Mm. I had done a few shows between, and that was in 1985. In 1983, I brought in the Chieftains mm. from Ireland at the Jubilee. Yeah. Uh, that was my first show. And it did well, made money. I thought, ooh, this is great. Yeah. It's not always like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was a difficult business to get into. So having a, being the in-house programmer for a hall like that that had access to money, and you could make mistakes, you could do you know, ones that made money, ones that lost money. I mean, we did everybody from, you know, John Prine and Crystal Gale and the Peking Acrobats and all sorts of stuff. Whatever whatever sold, whatever we thought was, you know, good. And then we did some shows that only drew 120 people, like some opera shows. So right. I, I learned how to, you know, stay away from classical, stay away from anything like that, stay away from jazz, really. I mean, mm. we had Wynton Marsalis when he was on the way up, and that made money. But generally, jazz is a pretty hard sell. Yeah. But I was always drawn to folk music. Um, so in 1989, when Holger Peterson left, um, he called me and said, I think you'd be perfect for the job. And of course, I promptly said, thank you very much and turned it down. Why um, did you turn it down? Well, I was living in Calgary. Um, the festival up here was broke at the time, so it wasn't paying very much. It was paying in the low 20s. Right. Uh, even in 1989, that wasn't a good salary. It was yeah. more like half no, half a job. We just we just had a, a baby, uh, yeah. six months. He was, he was about six months old at the time. Um, but then they came back a second time a few months later and said, you know, we still haven't found anybody. Are you interested? And I thought, well, I'll go for the interview and see what happens. Yeah. And I'd been to the festival a couple of times, and I thought it was a great event. When did the festival start? started in 1980. 80, okay. First one was in Goldbar Park. <clears throat> okay. Right beside the sewage treatment That's plant. That's right. That's right. Uh, the... the Residents, I guess, didn't like us there, mm. and the city wanted us to move. So the producer at the time, um, well, they, they, the city picked uh, Gallagher Park for us. He yeah. didn't, he didn't like it. He didn't think it would work. Mm. But I think we've maximized it and show, shows that it can work. Yeah. It's kind of iconic now because it has the best view of the River Valley. It's I very think. iconic. Yeah. And Six of our seven stages are on hills, yeah. which is the way the Jubilee is built, or cinemas are built. Sure. You know, you're, you're sitting on, you know, they're, it's, there's it's always leveled. a, uh, yeah, there's yeah. kind of a raked seating, they call it, and uh, so you can see over people's heads, and you yeah. can be comfortable sitting down. So it's uh, it's quite perfect. So, yeah, started in 1980, so we're coming into our 44th year now. Wow, wow. So when you were coming up as a young lad in Ireland, and then you came over to Canada, were you a big music fan? Like, were you really like this was a very passionate thing for you? Oh yeah, well, yeah. I really got into music when I was about twelve, thirteen. My, my dad brought a stereo system, uh, which was unusual at the time. Everybody had mono, so we yeah. had stereo, and you could turn it down. You could hear different instruments. Yeah. Um, and you know, I remember going into town to get the latest Beatles song, or sure. to get the latest single, or to get the album. And my first album was Rubber Soul, Beatles, and I nice. bought it. 50-50 with my sister. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure who ended up with you it. You guys had to argue over who gets to listen to it? Uh, well, no, because there's only one stereo. Oh, so that's whoever right. Is there. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I yeah, and I, I went to a lot of concerts. Dublin got a lot of concerts. I remember going to see Leonard Cohen and getting seats in the second row wow. through uh, a friend of my sister's again. Yeah. And then I thought, how do people get these seats? And I went, I want to get these seats. Yeah. So I actually talked to Leonard Cohen one time hmm. by mistake in 1985. We were looking for someone to open up the art center. And someone, it was kind of before computers, someone give, had given me a card and said, here's Leonard Cohen's manager's number. So I phoned up Friday afternoon. And the voice, I said, I'm looking for Leonard Cohen's manager. And he said, this is Leonard. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I had a chat with him for about 15 minutes. He, wow. You know, as, as as lovely as you hoped he would be, he certainly was that day. He was yeah. very, very gracious, lovely man. That's uh, incredible. Just, just based on that. Yeah, just that one conversation. I love that it was accidental. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't. Yeah, we don't usually talk to the artists that way. Maybe at the festival we might, but not not ahead of time. There's always, there's, there's there's always in-betweeners. Right? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know. Artistic people are not necessarily good business people. Mm -hmm. That's actually very true from my very, very, very limited experience with it where, you know, you need somebody who's going to be able to talk numbers and, and what's expected and how much time they're going to perform and all that type of stuff. Um, where the artist, for the most part, just wants to do their art. Yeah. Well, it's, it's paperwork. Yeah. You know? it's, it's, it's admin work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe the exception is Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones, who, mm. who actually studied at the London School of Economics. There so. you go. Have you ever Not, met Mick Jagger? No, I haven't. No, no, no. No. We can talk maybe a little bit later about some cool stories that you, um, I'm assuming, have in regards to meeting some of these folks. But that Leonard Cohen phone call, that's that's pretty cool. That was nice. Well, that's that was really cool. good, yeah. yeah Especially yeah. when it's accidental. And then yeah. I, I worked on his show a little bit as publicist when he came up uh on that first kind of big arena tour uh, where he had the band from all over the world and he was making a comeback. and um, Yeah, it was kind of funny. Yeah. I, got a, I, I got a little publicity kind of contract for it and I said, I don't usually do this, but I gave the guy advice. and You know, we just spent $1,000 and basically had the second highest gross in North America. Wow. Well, because it was on a Saturday night in Edmonton and in, and in Calgary, they put it in the Jack Singer. That's all they could get. So it was 2,000 seats. So it right. sold out in minutes. And I knew Calgarians would say, well, it's Saturday night. Oh, he's playing Edmonton. Let's go up there. Um, so then I, you know, on the Monday morning, I said to the guy, well, he said, well, we're second, second in sales in North America. He said, and he said, what, what do I owe you? I could see, yeah. <laughs> you know, as a promoter, I could see yeah. his mind clicking over. Like, he's giving me good advice, but he hasn't really done much work. What do right. I pay him? I said, right. No, just give me some free tickets for the show. Wow. So he gave me 30. That's <laughs> all right. Pretty Sec good. Second row. Well, they were in second well, row. No, they were good seats. Yeah. So there's a promoters don't hold bad seats. Yeah, that's for right. Themselves. That's right. So come 18, 19, 18, come nineteen eighty nine. You come up. You move from Calgary. Bring the family. You take over the Edmonton Folk Festival. You said it was broke though. It was not in good shape financially. Talk about that a little bit. Like what? What did you have to do to kind of turn this ship around? I'm assuming it didn't happen overnight. You probably had to do a lot of things. What did that look like? Well, the good thing, it was in good shape artistically. Mm -hmm. And while they owed $60,000, which is probably 200000 now, um, you know, we owed everybody the hotel, the T-shirt supplier, the tra travel agent. Remember travel agents? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we had to just stabilize that. I wasn't the only one working at it. Uh, I wasn't general manager at the time. Uh, but I knew we needed to bring in some headliners, but we didn't have much money. So you have to kind of create the money. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, we got our, I mean, the biggest thing that, people don't like when you owe them money is that you stop communicating. So we started communicating with them and, you know, I went to the board and said, yeah, I know 
you know, they wanted to start passing out the hat at the top of the hill at the end of the day. I said, no, you're, you know, you're charging $25 for a weekend pass. Why don't you charge 30 or 35 Sure. and then 40 and then 50 But the trick we did was every time we increased the ticket price, we also increased the artistic budget. I was going to say $25 for a weekend pass, it's, it's nothing. Now, even in 1989, that was nothing. It really wasn't. It was too cheap. Yeah. yeah they, I, I think that sometimes you can – you can join an organization and you can see its strengths better than you can when you're in the middle of, sure. you know, seeing the forest for the trees kind of thing. Um, and they were all very worried. And I said, no, no, this is a great show. This is very well respected. We'll get out of this. And we had good luck for the first few years. There wasn't a cloud in the sky for the first three years I was there. So we yeah. managed to clear up the deficit in the first year. And then, well, we haven't had a deficit in the last 35 years. So Don't that's you great. find it interesting, though, Terry, where – like you say, people that are just so heavily involved and it's their baby and they love it and it's it's so important to them. I've been involved with my organization now for 20 years and I, I've had this happen in my career too where you, you're almost underselling it, it where you have confidence in it but you want it to be so true to the roots of, well, no, we just want to give it to the people so we're not going to charge very much. And But at the end of the day, it can be quite detrimental. Yeah, well, we, you know, one of our policies is to be affordable for families. Mm-hmm. So right now we're at $209, which, you know, that's a chunk of change. But under 12s are free. Yeah. And teenagers are half price. Yeah. And seniors get a good discount. Yeah. And 18 to 25 get a good discount. And you know what? If you don't have the money, you can always volunteer. Absolutely. And get in for free. Um, so, you know, if, if there's two parents going, it's, you know, it's $50 a day each. And then maybe they're bringing their two kids. And unlike other festivals, you know, you could bring your own water. We'll provide free water uh, down there. Uh, you can bring your own food, yeah. um, although we have food down there. But we watch we watch the price on everything, mm-hmm. like T-shirts, et cetera, et cetera. You know, mm-hmm. we, we believe in make you know make a living, not a killing. That's right. That's right. That's a good way to look at it. At the end of the day, though, you got to make money in order to make it. Well, we need to break even. Yeah. You know, we yeah. need to, I mean, we're not for profit, so. Right. I like to say, well, you know, we can't make a profit, but no one said we couldn't make a surplus. Absolutely. That's the way I look at my organization, too. A lot of people look at nonprofits and think, oh, well, they can't have any money in the bank. It's actually not true. It's a surplus. No one's making money off of it. Terry yeah. Wiggum's not making money. Kyle Dubay is not making money off You Can Use Services. Like, that's not, if that's why it's called non for profit or ours is a charity. But I do think that it's good to have some surplus so that you can have some rainy day fund money and so that maybe you want to increase something or do something a little better, then you can put some money towards that. And for you guys, it's all about the folks that are showing up. Yeah. Right? So. Well, I mean, I get paid a salary. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't, like, I'm not I'm not invested in, oh, you know, I, I own it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's owned by the community. It's owned by the volunteers or the members, if you like. Um, so it's, um, Yeah. Uh, you, you have to have a cash flow in, in the entertainment yep. business. Rainy day, literally, you have to have a rainy day fund. Yep. And, you know, you also need to invest in the show. Um, so, you know, we've invested in you know, putting up video screens. We own all our tents. Right. Uh, we bought a building, an office building, which we yep. run for 20 grand a year, and it's 4,000 square feet. So right. that saves us a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, we have an endowment fund that we've we've put some surpluses in there, and the government matches. So we have three million in there that pays us one hundred and twenty, hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars a year. So nice. that was very handy during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're we're pretty well structured, but it's all based on the ticket sales and the loyalty of the Edmonton audience. And for the second year in a row, we sold all our weekend passes in a day. So that tells us something. Um, so yeah, we're you know we're you know we're thriving. I mean, 
20% of independent music festivals didn't make it through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did, and we actually came out in a way stronger, uh, you know, with last year's lineup and this year's lineup. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty happy with where we're sitting. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I, you know, I, I said earlier how we don't make money. We make money. These yeah. are our jobs. I don't know about you, but I've been asked many times because they hear it's nonprofit or a charity, and they go, "Oh, so is this your full time job?" And I'm oh yeah. Like, oh, I'm yeah. like, yeah, this is my full time. Like I actually get paid for doing this, right? But what I mean by that is no one's making dividends off the money. No, no one's, exactly. you know, anything like that. You know, so you're going through the the early '90s into the the, I guess, the change of the millennial there. What were some of the the things that you had to do, um, you know, talent-wise? Like, who were you bringing in at that time to really start garnering more attention where you felt comfortable to raise those prices? Well, what I tried to do is, you know, I I had seen festivals when I was with the Calgary uh, Center for Performing Arts. We started the Children's Festival down there, and I could see the difference between concerts. There was just such a love of community Mm. and building community. Uh, so that was, um, you know, that was that, and that's, you know, that's um, that's kind of where we where we focused. We still do, um, but I wanted to blend in what was already great at music festivals, and then bring in a kind of a concert promotion side of it to increase the excitement. And I knew we were starting to break through in 1992 when we had Ry Cooter, Emmylou Harris, mm. and that was the start. And then the next year we had we increased. We went to four days, and we got JJ Kale and some other people. And then we hit, we hit the jackpot in '94. We got Joni Mitchell. She oh. came in for a very low fee, and that put us on the map for a Thursday night. And then, lightning does strike twice because we went for Elvis Costello. You know, did the same low fee kind of thing in '94. In '90, in '95, '94, we had Joni Mitchell. I still right. think that's the most important signing we've yeah. ever made. Yeah, because it really put us on the map. Well, I mean, yeah, Joni's from Whenever you said both of them, I thought, oh man, like the same weekend. That's huge, but. No, well, they, they were your headliners. Well, where, where, where lightning struck was, um, we mentioned who we were and what we do, and we mentioned some names, and of course we dropped Joni Mitchell's name at the yeah. end, and a friend of mine did an interview with Elvis Costello, and he was actually living in Dublin at the time, and I didn't know that, but mm-hmm. I'd mentioned some people that had been on his albums, like Donald Lunny, you know, a, a, an obscure figure in folk music, but a big, you know, big uh, hero in, in Ireland. And he actually did talk to Donald Lunny, and he said, "Oh no, no, it's great." And uh, and then he said at the end of the interview, when it said, "Well, if it's good enough for Joni Mitchell, it's good enough for me." Nice. So I thought, well, there nice. we go. Yeah. And then we went on, and it was you know Katie Lang one year, Sinead O'Connor the next, Jackson Brown the next. So yeah, you know, and sometimes we have three or four headliners. Yeah. Maybe not all of that stature. Yeah. Last year we had, you know, we had um, you know the War on Drugs, the National. Orville Peck, Nathaniel Rateliff, Kaleo, Lord yeah. Huron, uh, Oak Roll Medicine Show. We were pretty stacked last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. I like that Nathaniel Rateliff. He's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, very talented. <gasps> very talented. Whenever you are deciding on who you're bringing in, you're obviously, you. the way you guys have expanded this so much, you, your audience base must be very diverse now. Just age-wise, I give it. So, I mean, you're obviously looking at trying to. You get what I'm saying? Like, yep. I mean, you're going to have 14 mm-hmm. year olds who like this type, and you're going to have 84 year olds who like. I mean, you got to be able to make sure you're trying to make everybody happy. Is that a fair statement? That, but that's exactly what we try and do. We try and break that cliche. You can't keep everybody happy. That's what we try and do. Yeah. But you know, some success. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we have 60 artists that we pick from. So I always found. Uh, we were playing kind of catch up on people we hadn't had, so we're going for the older guys. Um, but I found with the younger audience, 
Um, if you gave them six, seven bands that they even knew the name of and kind of liked, they were very happy. They, yeah. didn't, they didn't want to dominate it. And I think they've been dominated all their lives by baby boomer music and stuff sure. like that. So we've definitely taken a, a switch to go younger in the last, say, five or six years yeah. uh, and more maybe. Uh, like Nathaniel Rateliff, sure. Kaleo, etc. And that's, um, I mean, that's what you have to do. But, you know, you keep it to the core. You, you, you bring in really good music. Uh, someone asked me one time, how do you get a really good lineup? I said, you make sure every artist is really good. <laughs> that's um, pretty basic. I know, it's, it's kind of a my Forrest Gump moment. Yeah. Um, but, but that's what we do. We have to turn down 100 for every one we take. So why not be very, very careful in what you're doing. Of course, we blend it. We, we have music from around the world. We have yeah. indigenous music. We have blues and Celtic and gospel and... Uh, bluegrass and and different genres and you you kind of watch that but yeah. there's there's no there's no strict rules for it just just make sure everybody's really good make sure there's lots of Canadians etc. Well, I was going to say, well, how about for local talent? You guys showcase local talent? Or is there oh, yeah. like, no, no, is there do. some sort of a an application form that people have? Because I mean, listen, when you're going for the headliners, they're probably not calling you to say, you know, I'm begging you to be in this, but I'm assuming some of these up and comers are. Yeah, but I mean, that's the hardest part of my job is to have to say no. Mm-hmm. And I have to say no a hundred times for every yes. Uh, but no, we don't have an application process. I'm kind of old school, so I will reply to every email. I will listen to everything that comes in. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, it's an acid jazz rock band from Montreal, you know, and I kind of go, well, that's not going to fit in. Yeah. Um, but generally, we listen to everything and... We don't say to people that we're yes or no. We just say unless they kind of inquire. And I don't comment on the music because I don't play music myself. So I don't feel qualified to do that. I just have a kind of an in, innate kind of feeling of what the Edmonton audience, at least our audience, I think will will love. Yeah. So do you play musicians or a, a musical instrument at all? No. Nothing? <gasps> Nothing. Got a guitar. did one lesson. Lazy. I mean, when I can hear some of the best guitars in the world, I'm kind of lazy that way. I kind of grew up in the sports world and, yeah. and the, the, you know, I suppose money world, not not big money, but studying economics and stuff. Yeah. But 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 music was a passion. Yeah, I love music, but not to the point where I played anything. See, I think your job is so cool and that you don't play a uh, musical instrument. I think it's cool. I'm the same way. I love music so much. It's, it's not a p- passion like yours is, but I feel passionate about it. I'm big into it. Not one part of music is in my life I get, it's like you had a guitar learned how to play um tom petty uh she's a good girl you know yeah. that's not what like the first chord and then i was done yeah i felt like i could just retire on that so yeah yeah well, if you can sing the song that's good enough yeah, huh. yeah. I, I was in, in a my choir. car oh yeah. yeah just a school choir i don't yeah. really fancy but i mean if i wanted to be in a band i wanted to be like paul mccartney or john lennon <laughs> like the songs <laughs> yeah yeah you know, play the guitar, you yeah. know, sing sing the songs as well. So I'm a huge U2 fan. Mm. Huge, like weirdly b- big fan. Yeah. And I always said, if I could just play the tambourine, I don't think it'd be that hard. But just one beat tambourine, then I could yeah. be the fifth member. But they never called. No. No, I had a friend who, uh, who's, he, it was Roddy Doyle. Roddy Doyle had, uh, he, he did the commitments. He wrote the book mm. for, for the commitments, which I thought was a very funny movie. Unbelievable yeah. movie. Yeah. I saw them live here twice in Edmonton. Okay. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. Yeah. Well, he, he, he ended up, um, Johnny Sutton just uh, lived down the street from me. And I, I said, hey, how you, how's Johnny Sutton doing? He says, oh, you didn't hear. He's managing Roddy Doyle. So uh, obviously he did well. And he was telling me he was running this little hall, St. Francis Savior. And uh, he said, he, you should, you should, I was telling him what I was trying to get into at the time, 85. 
And uh, he said, come on down, I got this band and they're rehearsing and they're going to tour Australia. Then they're going to the States, so I think they're going to be big. So, you know, the punchline is you too. And I didn't go down. Oh, oh I didn't wow. go down. Not that wow. it would have made any difference in my career, but it would yeah. have been interesting. Yeah. But that video that shot that it shows all early on, it's kind of black and white. And it shows all these old kind of faces in this hall. They're just kind of Dublin faces. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was shot in that hall. Nice, nice. Back to the commitments. When that movie came out, uh, truthfully, I, and I think when we talked earlier, I told you I've been to Ireland and Northern yep. Ireland 11 times. Um, it's, it's other than here, it's my favorite place in the world. I'm, I feel very blessed and fortunate that I've got to go to your island so many times. And it really is just this incredible, incredible place. Uh, but when, I remember when the commitments came out, I had never been to Ireland yet. I couldn't understand half of what they were saying because the accents were so strong. But if folks, if you haven't watched this movie, I love the concept of it, where essentially they, they want to put together a band, they put an ad in the paper, they get all these people and they try to make it work. But if I'm not mistaken, I read somewhere that that's how they put the movie together too. Mm. Some of these folks were already established yeah. actors or actresses, but yeah. most of them were not. They put an ad in the paper and just brought them all together and made this incredible movie. Is that the way they did it? Well, I was in our, I was in Canada at the time, but I believe that's the way they did it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there was a lot of people that were just you know new and doing rehearsals and stuff. And I think the big thing is they wanted to see they wanted to play uh, in front of Wilson Pickett, right? And we brought Wilson Pickett in a few years that's after that. Cool. That's kind of cool. That's cool. And he was he was great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, the concept of the movie is so cool. And then, they, like I said, I saw them live because they would do the, the Commitments World Tour. Yeah. Uh, but that young lad who was the lead singer, I think he was only 19 when they filmed the movie. Just what an incredible voice. But he wasn't part of it. Apparently, he didn't go on tour with them. So it was one of the other guys that sang. But it was still incredible. Just saw him in like yep. a little bar. Awesome venue to see them in. Very talented people. Yeah, so. I know who you mean. I wish I could remember his, his name now because yeah, he's yeah. had a, he's had a you know fairly big solo career. Right. I, tr I tried to get him a few times and it, it always seemed to fall through. So I gave yeah. up. I wasn't quite relentless on that one. Well, it's lesson. I met him once too, and he kind of well. It seemed like a yeah okay yeah I get what you're saying without saying it. He uh, and that's the thing I say, kid. Whatever year that movie was in, he was 19. He's probably yeah. older than I am now, but. Um, no, truly, truly very, very cool. Um, so back to the Edmonton Folk Festival. When we think of, uh, or should I say, when you think of, you talk Joni Mitchell was kind of that, what I'll call the TSN turning point, if you mm -hmm. will, right? Where it, it, was, it would really yeah. shifted some things. And then, you know, like you said, you were able to drop her name a couple times. Who are some of the other, what, not so much what you would consider being such a music guy, but maybe what, people like me where it's like a big name that you brought in that was really helped bring a lot of folks in uh you know in 2006 we signed nora jones six mm. days before the grammy awards wow that was good yeah uh, that's people like one. natalie merchant mm. van morrison van morrison is huge yeah big that was kind of our biggest signing we had to do a separate to keep ticket prices reasonable we had to do a separate uh uh, Wednesday night, but then again, if you bought a weekend pass, it was sixty dollars to go and see Van Morrison, and if you were a youth, it was forty. Wow! So that was pretty cheap. Yeah. Um, so you know, we've had. Um, I'd say we've had about half of who we would want to have had. We tried to get Dylan one time, didn't work. Mm. Um, he ended up playing a casino in in uh, South Dakota or something like that that night because I tracked <laughs> it. So I kind of went, "Hmm, that's interesting." Was that annoying though? That had to be a uh, little bit annoying. Uh, well, no, not really. Because um, it's a lot of work to do an extra Wednesday night. I don't really want to do that. Um, but, you know, some of the 
Yeah, you know, we had Sarah McLaughlin and Lorena mm. McKenna and people like that when they were on the way up, yeah. uh, you know, for cheap fees and they were both really good yeah. and, you know, very... Uh, Who yeah. are some of those other people that were on their way up and then they just exploded? Sarah McLaughlin is Well, Nathaniel Rateliff would be one where we, we booked him and we booked him as a solo artist because he's just a singer-songwriter. Yeah. And then the, the agent said, you know, he has a band he'd really like to bring. That said, okay, well, I can pay them more. We're doing well. Yeah. Not for profit, yeah. and uh, he came in with the band, and I wished I had another uh, spot um, on main stage. But I believe the taxi drivers were up and dancing, yeah, <laughs> uh, outside the cars because uh, he's on stage one. And then I went on holidays, and I came back, and I thought I should bring him in for a concert. He was really popular because uh, I work at the uh, the Winspear, uh Center for Music in the winter and just do some of their concerts, like I used to do at the Jack Singer in Calgary. And phoned up, and he said, oh, "Haven't you heard what happened?" I said. And we had that song, S-O-B, yeah. and everybody was singing it, give me a drink. Yeah. Um, I said, no. And they were they were getting ready to play Union Hall. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa hold on. I think I can get them into the uh, Winspear. And I said, it's a much nicer hall. And they said, yeah, let's do that. And he sold so many tickets. You know, he they have a, what they call a Tezza tourist system, which is more for, not like Ticketmaster, it's, it's more for, uh, season subscriptions, stuff like that. So it crashed their system. Oh, wow. <laughs> Went offline, wow. yeah, for the first day. Um, so, yeah, we've had, you know, some of those. Not not a huge amount of, of that because, you know, talent's pretty picked over. Sure, sure. But, no, that uh, that album of his was incredible with yeah. SOB and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I listen to it often. It's a great album. And he really did blow up. So as you move forward here um, – what are some of the biggest challenges in running a festival? Um, I mean, you really have, I mean, you know, Edmonton is, is kind of known or promotes itself as well as, as city of festivals. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming yours is the biggest. Yours has helped put that on the map. But what are some of those challenges that you run into? Well, there's, you know, there's constant challenges these days. I mean, never mind COVID uh, that we're recovering from. Happily, we came out of it well. Happily, all the government supported us, which mm-hmm. uh, made kept, kept us whole. You know, there's always the management of uh, a number of people. We've, for instance, 25, 2,700 volunteers, mm-hmm. so things pop up. Um, inflation is a huge thing now. Right. Uh, inflation for bands on the road. And I don't think it justifies the kind of ticket prices we're seeing now. That's dynamic pricing, so right. that's, that's demand and supply. Uh, but um, certainly, you know, uh, power, uh, travel, all of the things have gotten more expensive for artists. I hear of a lot of artists going on the road and coming home, losing money or breaking even. Right. I mean, that, in the old days, record companies used to sponsor tours. So maybe tickets were artificially low, um, but now there's no limit. Um, so just, just a constant challenge. I mean, climate change has become another challenge. Right. Um, what do you do if smoke rolls in? Right. You know, you can't control it. You can't get insurance for it. Right. Uh, you can pay one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for cancellation insurance, and then it'll, it'll in the rider it'll say, "Well, we don't cover pandemics and we don't cover wildfire smoke." Right. You know. Well, because I mean, why would it? Because they're yeah. I mean, if I know it's a, yeah, if I know it's a possibility and a problem, then insurance companies are certainly going to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, it's a, it is a stressful business. It seems like fun, and, and it is most of the time, but um, everything happens within four days. So mm. uh, I don't know. People measure what 
festivals, different ways. I have to look at the money, and certainly on a on a money basis, we're probably the largest arts festival in Alberta at six yeah. million dollars. Um, some people, because they're free, may get more people down. Maybe there's more people on Heritage Days than the Folk Festival. I don't know. Maybe there's more people at the Fringe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but we're as big as we want to be. We've right. stayed the same size. It looks more crowded because we had all-site licensing last year. So the 4,000 people that we used to corral in a beer tent, they're on the move. You know, They're right. wandering around with their beers and right. sitting at different stages now. And so it seems more crowded, but... You know, we don't we don't want to spoil the atmosphere. We want to keep it the same size. Yeah. It's big yeah. enough. It's yeah, big it's enough. a lot of people. It's a it's, lot of people. It's it's fourteen thousand paid. Yeah, and we let about eleven thousand in for free. Yeah, you know, children, senior, well, used to be seniors, not seniors, but Cloverdale residents and social service agencies, volunteers, of course. Sure. Um. So it's it's fairly full. Yeah, it's amazing. Twenty seven hundred volunteers. I uh, I used to volunteer coordinate for a thing in St. Albert called Youth Explosion where we'd have 100 volunteers. Yeah. And I found that to be a lot of work. I can't imagine volunteer coordinating 2,700 people. I can't either. Yeah. It's a, that's an incredible job. <laughs> yeah. So I don't. You no, know, well, I mean, we have people can't. to do that. But, you can't, yeah. right? Um, but I know a lot of people that volunteer that, that love it. You treat your volunteers well, which I think is very important. I think it's very important. Well, I like to say the volunteers treat themselves well. Mm. I mean, we've set up those systems, but, uh, you know, it, yeah, okay, I make some decisions on food and, and hiring a chef. Uh, so, you know, people get free entry. They get free food. They've got great parties. They get a T-shirt. They can bring their kids down that are underage. They um, they get, you know, skip the lineups, all that sure. kind of stuff. But they have to put the work in, too. They work hard, though, because oh, I yeah. know some folks, that, and they say, we work hard. We yeah, show yeah. up, and their shifts yeah. are, they're going yeah. hard, yeah. which I think is very, very cool. But, again, yeah. it's give and take. Right? Yep. It's give and take. That's what a good partnership is, especially with volunteers. I've always looked at volunteers in that way. You know, I, I used to think that people volunteered, oh, they must love the music. Not, not not necessarily the case. Some do, but some don't. Some just, I think it's fundamentally everybody wants to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. Yeah. Like the organization you're in and helping. Sure. You know, that's, you know, you can just live your life individually, but if you want to live in society, you know, uh, you know, do something, make it better. People want to contribute. That's what they want to do. And, yeah. and and what the Edmonton Folk Festival does is it contributes hugely to Edmonton, obviously to the economy, it does. But then I think just it's this opportunity for people to go out. And I've always looked at entertainment, um, whether it be a, a folk festival or a movie or whatever you're using for entertainment. Maybe it's an Oilers game, whatever that is. It's escapism a little bit. Of course. It's, it's a time to just go and get away from all your stuff that you're dealing with and just live in that moment and hopefully really bring, just take it all in and enjoy it. But exactly. That's it. We're, we're like a salmon going against a stream in that, you know, the whole dynamic pricing. Sure. If we put the first five rows and had seats there and, you know, we bring you your drinks and all that. Yeah, we could sell them for hundreds of dollars, mm -hmm. but we don't do that. Mm-hmm. It, we're very democratic. Yeah, all the prices are the same. No VIP tickets, which a lot of fest, most other festivals do, but uh, not not folk festivals in Canada. Um, so you know the people who get the best seats are the ones that come down early in the morning and they they get the best draw. Right. And we have a right. raffle for the best seats. Yeah. Um, and of course, if you if you're picked, you know you can bring your eight friends to sit on your tarp with you. Sure. So you're kind of a hero for the day. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but I think that's what people really like. I think that's the difference between liking us and loving us. And I think they see all that. They know what's going on in the world. Mm. You know, when you go into the jubilee and you see people in the first, you know, five or ten rows, they're either friends of the promoter, friends of the artist, or they've got lots of money and they paid to yeah. be there. 
Yeah, absolutely. The Relentless Podcast is brought to you by You Can Youth Services, which I am very proud to be a part of. You Can Youth Services is an organization that helps young people move out of harm's way and onto a path of economic independence. If you want to learn more about the incredible work that we do with some very vulnerable young people, please go to www.youcan.ca. That's www.youcan.ca. Let's talk about the pandemic, if that's okay. Because when I think of relentless, so many people had to be relentless just in general to get through mm. that. This obviously, and you had mentioned earlier that the government definitely helped you guys financially with some of the subsidy stuff that they did. But I yep. mean, this must have been, that would have been a tough time for anybody promoting any kind of gathering let alone something where you're bringing thousands and thousands of people together what was that like for you guys how, how hard was that and, and how did you get through it well it was lonely um i had some health challenges mm. early on too which didn't help um you know we're built everything i did was you know i like to travel um you know conscious the wind spirit they were gone i mean literally you couldn't do what we did yeah. so um, we also kept it fairly tight in that we had a one-year-old in our life and a 91-year-old, 93-year-old to 93-year-old in our life. So we just, yeah, we, we wore masks. We got vaccine sure. as soon as we could. We just, and we kept our social circle tight. You know, yeah. I mean, there's email. I'm not on Facebook or anything like that. Um, but, the, you know, that's just what it was. We, mm. we are, you know, the people I kind of felt sorry for, well, lots of people was, was, like parents, what do they do at school? Mm. Oh, school's closed now for the next few weeks. What am I mm. going to do with daycare? What am I going to do with? Um, there was that. And then there was the business that were opening and closing constantly. Constantly. You know, a hairdresser, yeah. uh, people doing, you know, body work, massage, whatever, sure. you know, restaurants, groceries, sure, restaurants, yeah. everything like that. How do you order in food? How do you get your staff? Uh, my own daughter, like, lived in Victoria, was going to school. She didn't have a, a job in the summer. Mm. Uh, so, you know, they're the people I felt uh, I felt most for because uh, we just had to make the one decision each year. We're either running or not. Mm. Uh, and some of the festivals did a hybrid. They kind of went, okay, we're going to do a smaller audience and spread them right out. I just thought that was going to be a pain. And I thought it would hurt you in the long run because, right. you know, what some festivals did, they charged <laughs> a lot more to try and make it pay. Um, the lineup wasn't as good because they didn't have the ticket base to support sure. it. Or they couldn't bring people in, right, because of flights and travel and all that type all of, of that. stuff. Yeah. Just, you know, to me, it's either an Edmonton Folk Festival or it's not. Right. Uh, and I, I was able to tell early on that, you know, by the time in March, I didn't think we were going to be running that year because yeah. I looked at we didn't have a vaccine, Right. how it was spreading. And then the second year, I knew by Christmas coming into 2021, I knew we weren't going to be running. Right. Uh, and I remember the government announced, uh, you know, best summer ever at 11 o'clock. And then at noon, we announced that we were not running. But, but you see, we... we That's had, a whole other podcast, Terry. But we, we, had planned <laughs> that, but we had planned that a week before. It looked like we were trolling them. We weren't. It was sure. just like we'd had a board meeting and said, there's no way we can run. Yeah. Uh, because the vaccines weren't going to be distributed. We weren't going to have them all until yep. September. Yeah. And then it took six weeks for any immunity to kick yep. in. And yep. then there was a, that wasn't even the second vaccine. That was the sure. first one. So there was no way we were going to run. Sure. Um, so, we, you know, we came up with a documentary the first year, which is really good. All the artists like John Prine and, you know, Brandy Carlisle and, and Warren Zevon, all sorts of people. They, well, Warren, his estate 
um, Katie Lang singing, you know, Hallelujah. Mm. Uh, we got some great performances, and 25,000 people watched it. I mean, it wasn't the same as a Where, festival. That's cool. I didn't know you guys did that. Where do you find that? Uh, well, you can't. I mean, because okay. uh, our, our agreement with the artists was we were just going to run it on this not-for-profit channel, yeah. film and video arts, uh, FAVA. Uh, yeah, we'd only I, run I know it, FAVA. And yeah. we'd run it for three days, and then we'd take it down. And, and we did. I mean, you know, I could get a copy and people could kind of watch it, but we can't put it you out there. Although I think if, I think if it did some more work, I think it's actually broadcast quality. Some yeah. of the, certainly some of the performance and some of the history. And then the second year, we I thought it was myself a little bit corny, even though I come up with the name, taking it to the streets, the Doobie Brothers album. Yeah. And so we got lot of, lots of local artists and... Um, and, and it's important. Like, if you're doing a festival, you have to, like, drop a stone in a pool. So you have to look at, you know, Edmonton and then Alberta and then Western Canada and then Canada and then the rest of the world. And you, you have to have good representation. So we generally do. We usually have about seven or eight artists from Alberta. Um, but we were able to bring in a lot of artists. And people really liked it. We had a lot of applications that people would organize it. And we said, okay, we'll do everything. We'll bring the music. We'll bring the, the artists. We'll bring the sound systems and all of that you organize the you know the crowd and we organize insurance and all of that so uh that was great yeah so many moving pieces to putting i mean there's moving pieces from my organization but when i think of a, a festival with that many people involved that many people attending and it's it's right from the top to the bottom all the different things man you must have a good team behind you how many people work for you folks we probably have about seven full-time people, and then yeah. we have some people that work half a year, some yeah. people that work for four months or a month yeah. or two months, you know, electricians, plumbers, sure. we're building the site. Um, how so long, it's, does, it's how long does it take to build the site? Takes us, it takes us about four weeks yeah. to build it and about another week and a half to take it down, depending yeah. on the weather. But we have to be ready on time. Yeah, um, we, you know, So it's a, it's a fairly big imposition on, the, on Cloverdale. Mm. Um, it increases as as we get closer to the festival. We keep the Gallagher Park side, the ski hill uh, side. Uh, we used to do the ski hill side, but where you toboggan down, uh, we move in there about uh, two weeks, ten days before, okay. and that's when all the you know tents are going up yeah. and the you know the stage is coming and the, the yeah. sound systems are arriving and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Toilets are arriving, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big. That's why we give Cloverdale, you know, the, the community of Cloverdale, free tickets. Right. You know, but right. uh, that's a nice thing to be able to do. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's as a awesome. result, most of them have become fans because when yeah. we, we did a survey uh, of the of the area um, for the Van Morrison concert, and eighty five percent voted in favor of doing it. Yeah, which was for great because it was that extra night. Yeah, and they yeah. got yeah, and they and they all got free tickets, of yeah. course. Yeah, well, yeah, that'll that'll give a good and survey. and their friends come down. I think you know sure. when you're living in Cloverdale, your friends can come down and probably sure. park there, and they've got a real toilet to use. And, yeah, yeah. You no, know, you can have a backyard, um, few drinks during yeah, the day or at nighttime cool. after the show is over. Yeah. So I think it's in 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 essence, I think it's a bit of a boost for yeah. living in Cloverdale. But yeah, we know we're in opposite. Uh, we're you know we're a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. Imposition. It's amazing work. though. It's amazing. What is something that you still feel? Because obviously the early days, I believe you had to be relentless uh, in many aspects of your job to get things going. What are some of the things that you still feel that you need to be relentless in that? And now I, I'm going to back it up a little bit. You've been doing this since 89. Mm. Your, your job has changed over the years with added responsibility, mm -hmm. added responsibility. I know running small events that it doesn't matter how many times you do it, uh, you still – 
you get very used to certain things. You get good at certain things, but something go wrong in a heartbeat and you got to be ready for it. Hmm. So I'm not saying that you can do this with your eyes closed. That's not what I'm saying. But what are some of the things, you know, that you have to still be relentless on to ensure that this folk festival is because you guys have set a bar very high. Well, I remember reading a book called In Search of Excellence. It was a management type book, but it just said, you know, look for excellence in all areas. Mm. So say the festival has 30 different areas from food to ticket pricing to lineup of artists to, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Can't do much about the weather except you can plan for it. Um, so we've been relentless in making improvements that it should be better every year. Mm. Sometimes it's a big improvement, you know, the, the whole stage three, uh, five and six using to be part of the festival where we stretched out onto the west side. We did that in 93, and that was a big move. Um, and adding the Thursday night was a big move. A lot of things have, have helped us along the way. So, um, But sometimes it's a, it's, it's a big thing, but wouldn't be noticed by the public. Is like this year we're doing an audit on our um, access hmm. uh, policy. So whether that's mobility or hearing or sight. Sure. Um, we're making sure that uh, stage three, uh, five, uh, six, stage three, six, and seven will have access areas where people can, can go and enjoy those the music during the day, as well as they get the best seats beside main stage. Um, so it, it can be anything. It could be just a, a better visual design. It could be, you know, for years we wanted to bring in uh, all-site licensing, but the, the rules where you had to have a security guard for every 50 people or 100 people, so it just you know, it didn't work. But given our record of no police trouble for many, many years, that um, AGLC kind of came along with us and said, okay, you guys, you can, we're going to let you do this. And maybe yeah. it's one in 200, which we already had. Yeah. Um, and people really enjoy that. Now they can just, you know, there was, there was zero police incidents last year because right. of alcohol. We're not trying to sell more alcohol. In fact, when you have a tent that it takes an hour, an hour and a half to get into, that's where you get the binge drinking. Sure. People are hot. They've been waiting. They're going to, they're going to have two beers instead yeah. of one. And then they're going to have another one before they leave because yeah. they don't know how they're going to get back in. Yeah. Um, so that mellowed out the site. Um, it, it could be even just how you line up. We used to line up along Connors Hill. Well, that's stressful. Mm. And metal around it, cars going yeah. by all the time. You're a parent and you've got a young kid. Yeah, yeah. Three seconds is a long time if, if, if a kid leaves your hand sure. and it strays onto sure. the road. So everything we've done is for the audience, adding police outside to control crowds when they were leaving. You yeah. know, our responsibility doesn't end when they walk out the gate. Our responsibility ends when they get safely back maybe to their car sure. or to, to uh, public transit or onto the bike. Uh, so, you know, we've expanded, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it, relentless in just trying to make it better. And as a result, people like John Prine and Brandy Carlisle and the aforementioned uh, Don Lunny uh, mentioned, or not mentioned, uh, said it to me uh, that this was their favorite festival. This is the best one around. Now, I I, I don't think we're, we're the best music festival around. There's festivals that are 10 times smaller that are really good. There are festivals that are 10 times bigger that are really good, like Glastonbury. Um, but within the genre, we're in folk music, Newport Folk Festival, Winnipeg, Vancouver, Calgary. I worked for Calgary for 10 years, bring them up, uh, and they've, they managed to come up that way in, in from uh, 96 to 2005 because I came from Calgary uh, when I emigrated and yeah. came up here. Um, so, yeah, just I, I think 
you know, among folk festivals in the world, we're certainly in anybody's top three or top five. Oh, absolutely. If, if they know what they're talking about. Yeah. I love that idea. And, and um, I know that the, the, the things that I've been involved with in the past event-wise, and yeah, truthfully, my organization, most importantly, um, but like we do a big comedy night, which has turned into comedy nights. So now we do, actually this year, we're looking at doing nine of them. Um, and for us, I've always had this belief that every year you try to make it better. And yes. like you said, sometimes it's a big change. And yep. sometimes it's just a minor little tweak that most people don't even see. But maybe it actually makes it better for the ones that are involved in helping and working it so that it brings a little bit of less stress onto them. So I love that concept. It just makes sense. And, and if you can make it better every year or strive to make it better every year, then hopefully the, the people who are attending it it's just going to be a better experience for them. So I love that concept. Well, you notice it. You won't notice it from year to year, but if you look back 10 years, Absolutely. you'll notice it. You'll see the And if you look changes. back to 1989 to now, I yeah. mean, not everybody likes bigger crowds, but by definition, some people must like big crowds because they come down. Because you're selling um, out in a day. But some people do sit it out, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, no, I, I think we have gotten it to a very good level. And, um, you know, I can see now, now we have to build the talent budget up a little bit. We mm. held our ticket prices this year. We may have to go up, but... It's not going to be us putting money in our pockets. It's going to be we want to spend it on talent. Right. That's where our big advantage has been. Um, some of the festivals I know that are in trouble now, they didn't kind of follow our model that we came up with of adding concert promotion and, and bringing in big names. They seem either financially scared of that yeah. or philosophically opposed to it sure. or whatever. Uh, but And sure, we, we have used good rock music to bring people down and introduce them to bluegrass players yeah. and African yeah. bands and all that. So yeah. we'll have a few, uh, you know, no one's going to call Van Morrison folk or Katie Lang pure folk, but there's roots. Absolutely. And, you know, some of the roots are there. Um, so, um, you know, so, you know, that's kind of what we've done. And the ones that didn't follow us are kind of, some of them are, are struggling now. And I'm saying, well, this is what I do, you know, and yeah. we have advised other festivals. I mean, Bear Creek Festival in Grand Prairie is doing very well now. They've got Blue Rodeo and, and, um, Sarah McLaughlin. And finally, they're just kind of landing where their tickets, people are trusting that they're yeah. seven or eight years old now. And it's been a struggle. It's, a, I would never start a festival. I joined no. one, but I would yeah. never start one. You've got to be kind of crazy. It's a lot of work um, to get off the ground. And it's, yeah, it's a huge amount of work to get off the ground. And uh, there's a woman called Sarah Card up there who's been working nonstop on that. And now finally she's getting some success this year. So I'm really yeah. happy. But they followed kind of our model, yeah. as did Salmon Arm, as did Calgary. And we followed Winnipeg's model. And right. Winnipeg followed Newport. Right. Uh, no, Mariposa. And Mariposa, you know, followed Newport. So it's, it's handed down yeah. and then it grows. Yeah. And I'm assuming, too, that I think you said to me – when we talked uh, about a week ago, that you actually, you know, a lot of the other festivals and you guys get together sometimes. And, you know, it's, I don't know if it's an actual association, but mm -hmm. it's almost yeah. like this little association. Loose association, yeah. yeah. But yeah. We, they do, we do get together and we share back best practices, whether yeah. it's insurance or whatever. What do you, no one has a, you know, no one owns all the best ideas. Right. Edmonton is known for having the best food, the best parties, yeah. you know, the best maybe view and you know the biggest kind of show if you want yeah. and candles on the hill so there's things that are unique to us but calgary has princess island park which is beautiful it's got a river going by it and yeah. it's got lots of shade and trees yeah. and electricity that yeah. they that's just there and a, and a permanent main stage and walkways so we designed that park when i was down there because yeah. i think it was nmax came up with lots of money and so we got everything we wanted. Mm -hmm. In Gallagher Park, we have to put it there every year. So it's yeah. uh, more more stressful that way and takes us longer. Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, Winnipeg's out in the country. Everybody has unique things to it. 
Yeah. You've mentioned Brandy Carlisle a couple of few times. What a voice. Mm. What a performer. Very, very talented. Yeah. Well, my partner uh, that we work together, uh, my wife, Lori, she doesn't take any of the credit, but she uh, finds most of the new bands and Brandy yeah. Carlisle she found. And I'll be honest, I was thinking, you know, it's a bit smooth. I can be a bit snooty. It's a bit, it's a bit too polished. Maybe she's really good. She's yeah. really saying, is it folk music? Right. I'm thinking, well, that's never really stopped me before. Yeah. And she not only convinced me to book her because she was unknown at the time. It was 2010, um, same year as Van Morrison, um, and Lee Von Helm and John Prine. So we had a really nice lineup wow. that year. Uh, ben Harper. Anyway, we brought in Brandy Carlisle. Not only did she convince me to bring her in, but to put her on main stage and to give her what was then the best spot on the festival, second last Saturday night. Because we wow. used to go to after midnight, 12.30. Now we go to midnight. But that second last spot is just when it turns dark. And she killed it. I yeah. mean, it was a beautiful night. And she just killed it. She didn't know what she was coming to. But I call it the Nora Jones spot. Because that's where we put Nora Jones uh, when we brought her in after she had won all the Grammys that yeah. year. Like 10 of them or 11 of them or something. Yeah. And we said, no, no, second. You can go last if you want. But second last is the best spot. Yeah. Because it goes till 12.30 and some people are going home. They're getting ready for the next day. So you're going to see people walking out no matter how good you are. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out when she came in, Nora Jones, it was a beautiful night. And it's the only time I've seen the beer tent empty. Wow. Yeah. Sitting on the hill and yeah. everybody left the beer tent. Yeah. Because she was such a big, big, big name, big name but, then, but right? big talent. Yeah. But big Brand talent. Brandy has done really well. I mean, now she's playing with Joni Mitchell, which yeah. is kind of funny. Because yeah. Joni, when we did the show, she hadn't played a live show in five years. Um, she had problems with her tuning. She's mm -hmm. an excellent guitarist. I mean, even I had some of the best folk guitars in the world looking at her and I can't figure out what she's doing mm. what she not that I don't know anything about music but she tunes her she tunes her guitar to the uh, the sights and sounds and colors of the um, British Columbia you know northern British Columbia coastline wow you know so things like that yeah so they're really strange tunings and then she got some kind of instrument that helped her tune more quickly and that's why she started playing live again. Um, she didn't do a lot, but we were so honored because she's from Alberta. Yeah. Uh, born yeah. here. And her mom came to the show and her oh, dad. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Special. Special. Yeah, it was really special. It Who's, was a special night. Listen, before we wrap up, uh, there's one thing we do. We do a relentless quiz, which we're going to do with you momentarily okay. to see how relentless of a person you are, Terry. Scientifically Not put really. together. So you're, we're going to find out. Uh, but hey, this is where this episode is going out fairly soon. Who's who's the lineup this year? Who's coming in? Uh, well, we have Ben Harper closing the show. We have uh, Daka Braka from Ukraine. Uh, we've had a couple of times before, and they're opening the show. And I'm really trying to get them last year with everything that's going on there. I'm really happy to showcase a Ukrainian yeah. band to start off. Yeah. Um, we have Old Crow Medicine Show coming back in. Uh, we've got Fleet Foxes um, on Friday night. Uh, Green. Green Sky Bluegrass are a great band. That's going to be a really nice doubleheader. They're not really known, but they're very dynamic. Um, <clears throat> all sorts of people like Valerie June, Molly Tuttle, <coughs> excuse me, who won two Grammys this year, uh, Bluegrass Album, and uh, Newcomer. Teskey Brothers from Australia, Soul Band, Margot Price, um, Half Moon Run from Montreal. Came from all over Canada, but they live in Montreal. Yeah. <coughs> so... And the sixty artists, you know, pick who you yeah. who you kind of like. Lots of newcomers. How about locally? Do you know? Do you, do locally well, we have School in? of Song. Um, yeah. So Sammy Volkov. Um, you know, the, we have uh, Maria Dunn, uh, Juno Award winner, uh, Marielle Buckley. Uh, yeah, quite a few locals. 
Very yeah, cool. Yeah. Very cool. But I mean, I don't even can people even get tickets anymore? You can get Thursday night and Friday night tickets. Okay. I wouldn't wait too long for Friday because that's getting down to be a yeah. low ticket count situation. Yeah. Um, but just the Thursday and Fridays are available. Yeah. yeah. The well, weekend passes went the first day. Folks, get out and get those tickets in. Um, listen, let's do the quiz and then we'll tell people where they can find the Empton Folk Festival on the social media. And, well, I don't know. Do you do, do, you do you Google us. Yeah, yeah, we know we're, we're, I'm not. No, but, but you're the organization not. Well, we'll really, talk, we're organizations yeah. really good on Google social it, media. Yeah. Well, you can go to our website or you can Google us or Facebook or wherever you wherever, know, I was out there. Yeah. Wherever you view your social media we'll obsession. Be there. Okay, Terry, this is the way we end it. And uh, you don't, you seem like a very humble guy. You don't seem like a guy that gets very stressed out. Uh, So you're probably not very nervous for this quiz. Appearances can be very deceptive though. Good. You should be nervous for this. This is very, very serious. Uh, Are you ready? Yes. Fruits or vegetables? Fruits. City or countryside? So far city. Okay. Dirty bathroom or dirty kitchen? Neither. Oh, good choice. Um, you know, it was my job to clean the bathroom when I was a kid in Ireland, so um, I, I'd probably, I'd probably go for a dirty kitchen. Dirty I, kitchen. I, either one, yeah, uh, I wouldn't live with. Yeah. Uh, salty or sweet? Sweet. Okay, interesting, interesting. Because a lot of people that say fruits go salty. You did not. You hmm. got a sweet tooth. What's left of them? Yeah, everyone. <laughs> yeah, Irish dentistry. Uh, morning or night? Night. Night. Favorite comedy movie? Oh, God, what's that? Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen or something like that. Uh, he, did, he did a couple of movies. Um, are you talking about Borat? Borat. Borat. I, I took, love. I love that. That's when you took my fourteen-year-old to that. <laughs> I didn't realize the nude scene and stuff like that. But the, but the second scene. one. But the second one he did was really good too. Was when he pretends to be the uh, the fashion designer. Oh, Bruno. Bruno. And Bruno. he goes in and he, des- he destroys the whole place. Right. He's got a. He's got a stick. He's got a sticky suit. And everything falls down yeah. around him. Yeah. I think he, that's probably the funny. You movie like physical seen. comedy. You like physical comedy then. But he's very brave too, oh, you know. Like very I mean, he's brave. he's going in like he's at the wailing wall and he's being chased out of there. And How that man is still alive, I don't know. Palestinian very brave. meeting with Palestinian yeah. like guys that are. Did you like, ever see the show he did? I forget what network it was on, where he played all these different characters yeah. and he was interviewing all those politicians. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's very. funny. Oh gosh, very funny guy and very brave. Big party or small gathering. Big party. Big party. Makes sense. You run a festival. Uh, phone in the bathroom or no phone in the bathroom? No phone in the bathroom. Okay. Okay. I'll take that. I don't know if I believe, but I'll take it. Huh? Favorite love song of all time? That would be hard, but we were supposed to, uh, our wedding Our wedding dance was um, Love Buys Love by Solomon Burke, big Mm-hmm. 400 pound gospel singer mm-hmm. that we had at the festival a few times so Solomon that was supposed Burke to be very talented yeah what a singer made an amazing voice that was supposed to be our our um, our dance song for myself and Laurie and uh, I'd made a tape and 
gave it to the guy and he put it on the wrong side. And I checked with him. <laughs> so what we get married to? Tramps like us, baby, we were born to run. <laughs> so <laughs> that's one of those two. Yeah, one of those two is my favorite two, love song. One of those two. That is kind of awesome. <laughs> uh, two questions left. Cake or pie? Cake or pie? Yeah. Cake. Cake. Last question. Describe your relentless podcast experience in four words. Uh, knowledgeable. Uh, like you're reading my mind. Uh, you're interested. All the follow-up, uh, all the all the uh, intro into it was very professional, uh, all of that. And I really enjoyed it, actually. Okay. That was a lot more than four words, but I'm going to take all those compliments. Okay. I appreciate those. Terry, this was really good. Um, I really thoroughly enjoyed this. I, I think that the Edmonton Folk Fest is such an important uh, – it, it's, it's a bit of glue for our community. I really believe that. And I think what you and your team of people uh, do for the city of Edmonton and, and really for everyone that shows up to this thing, um, we, we need to have gratitude for that. And I, I understand that um, – Whenever you're in the midst of doing it, it's what you do. But I really do hope that you relish in it sometimes. And you, when I say take pride, not in an arrogant way, but you just take pride in being able to relish what you folks give this community and broader community. Uh, it's special. It's important. It's needed. And I, I thank you for it. I wish we had five of them, mm. you know, um, but funding doesn't work that way, no. and the park doesn't work that way, and yeah. people's uh, energy doesn't work that way. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a joy to work on. It it has its challenges. It's been particularly challenging over the last few years. Yeah. We had a few things to deal with, uh, as well as COVID. Um, so um, it's gotten harder. Mm. Uh, I don't know if that's because of age, uh, but I also think it's more complex mm. in dealing with inflation and COVID and you know the burnouts and the relationship damage that happened during COVID. Yeah. Um, all of that stuff. So um, it has, and you know, now you can't. I can't rent a fifteen-passenger van unless we've got a like a professional license, which right. is a surprise to us. And all of a sudden, there goes all our fifteen-passenger vans. Sure. Um, so you know that was a strange quirk that came up one a couple, of the little, couple of months one ago. One of the little hiccups that happens, right? But yeah. So you know, you know, we've got to pick up a lot of people at the airport. We, yeah. we have to transport thousands of people around day yeah. to day. So it was. It's a big, big. Uh, a big kink that we're still working through, but we yeah. think we'll, we'll get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's complex. I, I, I appreciate you. I thank you for being a guest on the Relentless Podcast. I think that if we want to find the Edmonton Folk Festival, you on all the socials, we can just Google them. You'll be able to find them. Uh, information on You Can Use Services, as always, is at our website, www.youcan.ca. That's Y-O-U-C-A-N.ca. And uh, truthfully, the only thing that you can probably follow me on is Twitter, which is at Kyle Dubay. Terry, thanks so much for being here, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how this year's festival goes. Great. And one of our favorite artists that we ever had was from South Africa, and his name was Lucky Dubay. <laughs> Well, and he tragically died. Uh, he was shot because someone wanted his car. Oh, There's wow. a lot of murders in, in South Africa, but not what, huge. Not very lucky. Huge reggae. Just amazing guy. But I, you know what? And I actually think I've heard of Lucky Dubay. Yep. Um, but I feel like Lucky Dubay today, haven't you? So thanks very much, man. Cheers to Cheers. you. Cheers. Appreciate you. Slauncha as you here in Ireland. To your health.
This series is proudly produced by the team at Road 55. Road 55 creates content that connects. For more information, check our website, www.road55.ca.